Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for following Jesus. Today is episode 199. If we haven't met yet, my name is Tony and I'm your host with over a decade in the local church. I'm deeply passionate about helping you move closer to Jesus in practice. And today's conversation, I believe, is really going to help you do that. I sit down with communication expert Katie Aldred. Katie has a brand new book out about church communications, but it's so much bigger than that. It's about how we show up in the church. It's about the messaging of it all. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Katie. She's got a great voice that I know is going to resonate with so many of you. Hey, and if it does resonate, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, every time you subscribe, you get all the free content that comes every single week. Also, share this episode with a friend. That's the highest compliment you can give us. Sharing this episode really helps spread the word about what God is doing on this platform. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. Uh, Also, I said it was episode 199. That means 200 is coming out later this week. I love, love, love to give away some free Starbucks to our friends in the podcast world. So do me a favor, follow me on Instagram at TWMilt, at T-W-M-I-L-T, and I'll be putting out some free Starbucks this week as a way to say thank you for being with me for 200 shows. I just can't even believe it. Time absolutely flies. All right, now without any further ado, here's my conversation with communication expert Katie Aldred. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have Katie here with us today. She's an author, a speaker. She works in the tech field. She teaches. She does everything. Katie, thanks for being here today. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Tony. I appreciate it. Um, So I love to start by thinking about the big picture. And Mm -hmm. um, one of the questions I love to ask people is how they would define their call. So if you think about all the things that you do, how would you define what God has called you to in the world? Okay, it's so funny. I remember being very young and being very confused about my calling and saying, believing that my calling was preaching because that was the only thing I saw done in the church. And mm. so, but I'm not like a shepherd teacher. Like I'm definitely the apostle prophet evangelist. Like, you know, there's all these other tools. And, uh, sure. And we often don't talk about that. And so, I remember just being, because I, I mean, I was raised Southern Baptist, still Southern Baptist. And so we, we don't really talk about those other gifts, right? Uh, a lot of times. Sure. And also being a woman, like, you know, sometimes that can be difficult too in the ministry space. So I remember thinking like, maybe my calling's preaching and then like asking if that was, <laughs> you know, even like a legitimate calling for me and being told that I couldn't. Now I don't believe that anymore necessarily. And I, I, obviously everybody has their own belief system around that, but um, I was like, okay, God, if this isn't it, then what is it? I need you to show it to me. And just being very like adamant that I wanted to know what God was calling me to at a very young age. Hmm. So I was probably 12 when I was really just trying my best to like figure out what was God wanting me to do with my life. And I, at the same time, I was developing websites and I loved graphic design and I loved, um, just online community, even though I didn't know what that was at the time. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't defined. Digital marketing wasn't a thing yet. 
uh, in 2002-ish, you know, when I was thinking about all these things, like all this is really new. And so at the same time, I was doing, a, um, I was leading a Harry Potter forum online, <laughs> and uh, which is kind of funny. A lot of people are like, Harry Potter. <laughs> I loved Harry Potter. I was a kid and nobody else sure. got it in my community because, you know, uh, it was heretical, <laughs> maybe a little bit at the time. Um, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. It was something I, I was really passionate about as a kid. And so I am every parent's worst nightmare. I went online trying to find friends and I found like 5,000 of them in this forum that I created in this community that I created online through it's funny kind of through an Australian Harry Potter fan site, which is really fun. Right. So it was an, Oh, that checks out. Yeah, of course. Right. (laughs) It was an international thing. It was, I was internationally working with a distributed team in 2002 as a 12 year old. So yeah, it was quite a awesome. Yeah, for me and and my calling, because that played a pivotal role, because that's when I realized, like, these are real people, like, behind these screens, and I really loved them, and I really cared. They were my friends, just as much as my friends in real life, and it's so funny, because I think a lot of people imagine that I was a kid behind a screen 24-7 that had no social. I was also president of every club at my high school when I graduated, so hear me back (laughs) today. I had a full and very fulfilling uh, social life outside of the internet. But at the same time, I had friends from the internet that I loved and cared about and prayed for and wanted them to come oh, wow. to know Christ too. And so actually that's part of the first chapter of this book that I wrote was just about like why, why I was called is I felt from a very early age that, you know, I wanted to share the gospel through technology, whatever that means was. And that's what I've kind of been doing ever since is figuring out new ways that we could share the gospel and create community that matters and help people feel not so alone and mm-hmm. can feel connected and have a sense of belonging and, and all those things, because they're really important. Like life change happens in the context of relationship. If we don't have relationships with people, we cannot lead them to Christ. Yeah, that's right. I love that. Um, I was, I'm, you were preaching right there to me. I was, I'm here for all of it. I was getting ready to pass the offering plate. But I'm not a preacher. So. <laughs> um, okay. So I know that we're, we're going to jump into church communications today. That's your sure. latest resource out. And we're going to talk about, about all of that. And there's somebody listening right now who's on the treadmill or on the elliptical Good who is like, Tony, Katie, like that sounds great, but I'm not really, you know, I'm not in church leadership. I am just an average everyday person person who's barely making it to church. I'm going, I'm going 1.6 times a month, you know, like I, I, when I'm not there, I catch most of the message online, but I fast forward through the worship and you know, these are my people, right? So it, I'm hoping that you could tell them why they should care about church communications when they don't work for, nor do they ever have any intention of working for a church. Okay, excellent. Actually, I really love this question. Never been asked this question. It's something I think I'm super passionate about is the normal average member in a church who goes once a month, like typically. Yeah. Like you have the best position to share the gospel more than anyone probably at more than the pastor does. Okay. So, Cause like a pastor, they have to earn the respect of all these people. You have earned the respect and friendship of so many people um, that don't even know that you follow Christ. Right. So how do we like, how do we use your, like your life as a ministry online 
is the next question that I want to pose. So like, when I think about like the average churchgoer, I think about like my mom. Okay. So, you know, my mom goes to church maybe once, uh, once a month as well. And she, you know, was super involved at one point in her life and it has less been less, you know, involved in, in her retirement. But I think about like the fact that she has so many friends online. Every time she posts, she gets like 40, 50 likes People comment, people are interested in what she's doing in her life. And uh, that's the same for everyone across the board. Like mm. everybody's interested in what you personally are doing. That's like the whole point of social media. It is social. It is a conversation. And so how can we encourage more conversations in our churches? I used to tell people from, it'd be great if from the pulpit, we could encourage our congregants to like, share the gospel online, but how do we do that without just being weird and hokey? Right. So, cause like, it's almost like being on the street corner yelling again or like passing out a track. Like, and I just, that's not relational. Okay. At the end of the day, it's just yeah. not. And so what I want to see more of is literally just asking the question, what can I be praying for you? Hmm. That's it. Just ask it more frequently. Ask it on your just Facebook wall Ask it when you tweet, ask it on Instagram, um, send it in DMs, you know, like send it as a direct message to people and be consistent about it and follow up and actually write out your prayer for them. Not because you're being show off, but because Jesus modeled prayer for us. And I think we should model prayer for others. So because they're going to read that prayer and they're going to read it over themselves, you know, and mm. a lot of times they don't know what to pray, but seeing what other people have prayed helps them understand like what they can be praying for. Right. I don't think it's a show off thing. I think it's really a personal thing. I think, you know, I think we've really lost the power, like not lost the power of prayer, but like it is so incredibly powerful and it's so incredibly relational. Like God gave us this gift to talk to him so we can be in relationship with him, but also so that we can be in relationship with others, right? And talk to him about what other people need and bring to him those requests as well. I think it's such a powerful thing to think about communities praying for one another and how can we encourage more? I think, you know, prayer is the primary strategy for sharing the gospel. So how do we increase that? Yeah, I love that answer. And I, I think I think people are always generally surprised when they post how can I pray for you? And all the number of responses that they will mm -hmm. get. People will um, come out it, of the woodwork for it. I've had people contact me that I haven't seen since kindergarten to ask for prayer after I post it. Now, here's the thing. If you're not posting it, people aren't going to straight up just tell you what that, what right. you need to be praying. Like they're not going to just, they're waiting. They're waiting for the invitation, right? Like just to tell someone like something hard that they're going through. And they don't have maybe anyone. Loneliness is like an epidemic right now. I mean, it could be its own pandemic outside of the pandemic. Because so, like, I think it was like one in four people were lonely mm. before the pandemic. Like Cigna had done a study that one in four people like didn't have someone that they felt that they could talk to. Like personally, like really connect. Is that not the saddest thing that has, I mean, yeah. It should be breaking our hearts uh, here in the North American church to think that there are people in our communities that feel like they have absolutely no one they can turn to. Yeah. I, so help us develop a, an appropriate, I'm, I'm going to use the word theology, but a pr appropriate kind of posture when it comes to our, our online presence. Right. So, you know, like most people, I have a, 
Um, I have Facebook, I have Instagram, I have, I actually have Snapchat and TikTok mm -hmm. because uh, I really care about the next generation and I feel like that's where they are, right? And But there's somebody listening right now who's like, well, you know, I've got Facebook and Instagram or even just Facebook. And what, when you think about it from a, a, a Jesus theological standpoint, do you think, okay, this is my table this is my megaphone like give us some imagery around what this is in the season of life that we're in because i i think that you know obviously the digital world is not going away it's not changing um but maybe how the church and how the individual christian uses it should yeah so social media is not a billboard it is very much a conversation so yeah i would think of it more as a table What's crazy is that we're more connected than we've ever been, but more lonely also than we've ever been sure, as a yeah. society. It's kind of insane because like we don't actually have to have conversations with each other to keep up with each other. Right. Like today, my best friend posted, you know, a new, some pictures of her kids going to school. And it's not like she had to send those to me personally. I just saw them like them and said, Hey, love that. And that was it. Right. She didn't have to call me and tell me about her kids first day of school and that you lose something there, right? Like you lose that whole conversation that could have led to more conversations that would have led to maybe us talking about, you know, church or, or more meaningful things, right? And so when we live in this world, like where do we go from here is mm. I think how do we redirect it, right? So social media at the end of the day is just a tool. And I think it is a tool that we can utilize to think about how our lives are being displayed for others. And I think use it as a way to promote authenticity, like not just showing like how pretty and perfect your family is, but also sharing, you know, some things that you're going through as well, but also using it as a tool to, you know, share the burden with others. Like, so when, you know, you can see that other people are dealing with things, sending them a message and saying, Hey, like, what can I be praying for you again? is just like literally sometimes the easiest thing you can do. And you don't have to like necessarily go out and, you know, start a GoFundMe tomorrow, but those things matter, you know, to people. And so how do we just start more relationships and then not just start more relationships, but go deeper into those relationships instead of just, I don't know, having on the surface relationships, right? Yeah, that, I mean, that, I think that checks my experience too, right? It's, if it's only about posting the things that I want people to see about me, then, um, then it's not very social and nor is it very life giving. It's just more, it yeah. feels like an obligation For sure. of sorts. Um, I actually could talk a little bit more about that, like, uh, when it comes to authenticity. For example, last December, uh, I was dealing with major depression and anxiety. I've actually got, I have panic disorder, um, which I inherited. You know, it's nothing of my own fault that I have panic disorder. <laughs> it is an inherited condition. My grandmother had it. My mom had it. Um, and now I have it. However, I have a choice in how I'm going to deal with it differently, right? Because, you know, medication and stuff like that just did what didn't exist, right? When they, when, yeah. when they were going through the thick of it in their 30s, uh, which was the same for both of them, by the way. Very odd, but it came around at the same age and it, and it was uh, existent. And so I knew it was coming. And then I was dealing with it so hardcore in December that, like, 
um, in therapy, my charts were just off, off the charts for how depressed uh, and anxious I was. And then um, I had my first ever like suicidal thoughts uh, that I'd ever had in my life and thought like, this is, it's insane. And I need to have, I need to talk to someone and mm. help. Um, thankfully I've worked totally past that and I'm totally on the other side of it. Like I'm, I'm doing great. Medication's been fantastic. Counseling has helped. Um, but at that time it was so incredibly difficult. However, what I did this past year is I actually shared those screenshots of my charts of them being off the chart and just, you know, a picture of like how I felt that day. And just like that, it is incredibly hard, right? Like you can mm. somebody's life is picture perfect because at the time mine definitely seemed that it was probably then. And they can be dealing with a completely different situation. I've had so many people reach out to tell me and not reach out through me. It's so funny. They haven't really reached out to me via social media or like even text. But every time people have seen me in person who haven't seen me in a while. So maybe they've only seen me like once in the last year when they see me, they go immediately and they say, I am so grateful you posted that because I felt the same in this last year. Oh, and wow. I am so grateful that you just put it out there and said the truth about how you were feeling. I think so many people are navigating these really tough feelings coming out of this pandemic. And it's, and it's okay because it's traumatic, right? It was very traumatic what we all went through together. Um, I completely changed jobs and careers and a lot of people did that. And so I think it's worth talking about those things and, and expressing those feelings and opening up a little bit online so that you can start conversations with people that matter, right? Yeah, I, I think that that's beautiful. And I really appreciate your vulnerability there. Um, as I heard you talking about that, one of the thoughts that I had was a friend of mine who um, who is, I'm not going to use the word vulnerable. As a matter of fact, he's somewhat aggressive in his uh, sharing of his political leanings mm. and um, how he thinks about the world. Sure. I I'm wondering if, if you could coach us, <laughs> the reclamation community here, on how how to use the breadth of social media for the Jesus stuff and for the political stuff, if we should be using it for the political stuff at all. Like what's the what's the right what's the right balance here? Well, my this is for me personally. I don't think this is for everyone. I think this is for me, but I think Gosh, there's so much hardship in the world. There's so much bad in the world. I'm not going to add to it online. So for me, yeah. the internet is a place to spread kindness and goodness and share stories of life change and what God is doing. And yeah, of course, share like some some stuff that you're going through because you know it's going to help others, right? But I, I you know, to me, like especially politics, it's not it's not very helpful. Uh, to a lot of people, you honestly get into more fights than you do good online, especially. And so I say those personal conversations for like actually in person and so that we can have like more of a dialogue. So, I mean, not that you can't have hard conversations online. I definitely think that you can. But I just think that I would prefer for me personally to share the good news and to share like <laughs> kindness and spread positivity and because we just got enough. We've just had too much in the last couple of years. Like I'm, I'm done with that. Like I just want to spread positivity. And if 
you know, I see other people doing that. I don't really partake in it. I don't have any interest in being that person anymore. Like, or I never was really, I try to avoid drama like the plague. Um, and so, you know, I think that just causes more strife than it does good sometimes. No, I like that. I, I like the idea about setting up ground rules for the internet. Like if it was, if you were going over to someone's house, like before we would go over to someone's house for a dinner party, mom would be like, Hey, whatever you do, don't talk about X, Y, and Z because right. we're not putting our family's drama out there. Yeah, and, so and it's think, not necessary, right? Like it's not necessary to make your grandpa right. upset about the grass, I don't know, or whatever he has. Oh, right, right. You know, like, it's, right. not, it's not necessary. Like, we can just avoid it and, like, not talk about it. We can tell Grandpa about how much we love, um, I don't know, uh, the Golden Girls or something. I don't know. We can talk right, about right, it. Right, right, right. Completely. And I'll have a, a nice, cordial conversation that can lead to having more meaningful, impactful conversations and, and just avoid the drama and the negativity. Like, there's just no, there's no space for it in my personal life. And I don't, so I don't make space for it on the internet either. Like you're never going to hardly hear any of that stuff from me. Like even personally, like when we're just sitting, like, I'm probably not going to bring up politics to somebody, honestly. (laughs) So I'm not going to do it on the internet either. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love this new resource that you have out. And uh, one of the things I love to do with books is read the dedication pages Right. And so you've got a fairly um, a fairly robust dedication page, Apparently. which is which is great. I don't mean that in a bad way. I hope it didn't. I didn't. No, I didn't mean I for it. It's lengthy. It's so funny. But I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to do this again. So I'm just going to put it all out there. <laughs> well, it, so uh, so I'm, I'd like to read it because I, 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 I think I think it's beautiful. I think it's well written. Thank you. Uh, so I'm going to read it and then I'm going to um, I'm going to add let you comment on it. it. It says to my mom who took me to church and, and cooked for and fed those who came every Sunday without whom churchcommunications.com would not be a reality today. For my late father, who told me that getting a business degree would help the church. My brother and his wife, my biggest fans and constant sources of friendship. My friends who always said I would write a book one day and never doubted. My business partner, Kenny, who never gave up on our dream of serving thousands of churches worldwide. And to you, church communicator, for giving me a chance. Oh, um, isn't that meaningful? <laughs> it is meaningful. Like tear up. I'm like, oh yeah, like that's so rough. Yeah, no, it gives me the goosebumps just hearing it. Um, red. So yeah, no, thanks for resharing it with me. I, I know you had some questions. Sorry, I just like. <laughs> no, it's good. I well, so, so my question is: is um, how important is the balance? Because that, that's community. What you what you just talked about here is community. Yeah. And what we're going to talk about online is community and, mm-hmm. and the church communicator. How important is the balance between um, tangible, like, moms, dads, and brothers and friends in in real flesh? Yeah. And uh, and the thirty thousand people in your Facebook group, friends. <laughs> Well, those thirty thousand people matter to me now, do they? Uh, yeah, no, and I, I, yeah, they. I mean, obviously, everyone matters, right? Like, right. yeah. How do we live in that tension? It's so funny. So, I actually figured out, or I'd seen a TED talk on parasocial relationships. Have you ever heard of this term, parasocial relationships? Mm. So, it's technically it's a term you use with fictional characters, but I think it's also come to be a term that you use with influencers, which is very odd that that's what I've become. I, I acknowledge that that is weird. Um, but like 
so what that means is essentially these people, even if I don't personally know them, a lot of them feel that like they personally know me. Sure. Which is why I said like, thank you for giving me a chance because at the time I was a 24 year old kid when I started this, <laughs> and, you know, I think about it and I was just like a wee child navigating the internet, hoping that somebody would listen uh, to someone who I just, I felt like John in the wilderness for the last, you know, 15 years of my life, like make <laughs> yeah. way for the Lord on the internet and just with, with like wild hair and honey and locust like i'm just like out there like, sackcloth yeah i'm just sitting over here typing in my sackcloth i know like i felt like that though because like people were like eh, the internet you know like they were like eh, the internet and the gospel like we might that might eventually and then covid happened right and it was so crazy how like automatically that opinion really changed about how uh like church can exist on the internet but mm. um i do think about like you know my dad so i said like um he told me, so it's funny, before I went to college, I had, I had wanted to study religion. I had wanted to go to seminary. And my dad was very adamant that I not do that, um, which is so funny. He was very like, no, okay, you can still serve the church, but you're going to do it differently, which was so prophetic before he, he passed, um, right before I went to college, actually. And oh, so I said, okay, I'm going to stick with it then. Um, and so I did. I stuck with like studying computers and technology and stuff like that. And it really has served the church incrementally more than anything I could have ever studied. Um, not that, you know, theology isn't important, guys, because it definitely is. However, you can study it on your own uh, if you would like. So, <laughs> um, and that's what I've done, right? And I, I was really lucky. I was personally discipled from a very young age by a deacon in my church and and also, I was licensed to ministry at 18 in my church, mm. uh, which is a big deal, I think, for a Southern Baptist church to do. I, I don't know if there was other any other woman that was um, licensed to ministry before me. And so it was, yeah, I mean, I think that I'm just very fortunate to have had all these connections and all this stuff that's kind of worked out for like God's glory at the end of the day. Like, it's nothing about me. It's just, I've been very fortunate and God has been very good. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Katie to remind you to subscribe to the Spirit and Truth Substack. What's Substack? It's kind of like a blog. You know, blogs are coming back. I've decided <laughs> because I like them so much. And every single week, we put out content there twice a week the Spirit and Truth Substack. So the way to find it is spiritandtruth.substack.com. Spirit and truth.substack.com. And we put out leadership blogs, spirit-led leadership blogs. So it, it would do me uh, be a huge favor to us if you subscribed, check out the free content there. We'd love to continue to walk alongside you as you lead in whatever context you're in. Now let's finish up this conversation with Katie. Then uh, let's drill down a little bit on the tension between the two, right? So, so managing an online group, creating real community, which is what you've done really well. Sure, yeah. You know, um, and then your friends and family who obviously love you and have poured into you. Um, and yeah, you know, how, how do you know? I mean, cause that both, both sides of that discussion can become all consuming. How do, how do you live in that tension? Okay. The tension between like having the online community. So it's what, what's interesting is that online community, it can be so great. Like, I love actually meeting these people in person, like at conferences and those kind of things. And then it, the other side of the coin is 
you know, trolls, right? Like you have people who are just going to naturally be uh, not the best on the internet. <laughs> and mm. that they would say things about you that they wouldn't say to your face online. Sure. And yeah, that, that hurts. It is not, that doesn't like just, you know, I wish it went off of me like water. It does not like it sticks to me and it has, uh, gosh, for years. So, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. So I have a thicker skin than I used to. I used to take things so personally, but at the same time, like, gosh, you know, there are so many people online that I can think of right now, like Katrina, I, you know, who's in my group or uh, Karina um, or Jeanette or, you know, Marcy or, you know, so many wonderful people like Peter Inglet, who's uh, at a church in Rochester, New York. And they're all over the world, but yet I am so lucky to have a relationship with them at all and be able to help them and talk to them about what their church is going through and needs. And I do consider them to be friends in some kind of way. Like I, I get calls from them. I get texts from them just like I would anybody else. Now, do I, of course, have like a normal personal life? Yeah. And to be fair, like a lot of my friends that are close to me have absolutely no idea about any of this stuff. That's going. Like they, they don't want me. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. Like they, they don't know anything. Like they're like excited that I like launched a book, but like, did any of them text me? No. Like, they, you know what I'm saying? Like they're, like they're like whatever this is what katie does like they're like it's fine um but do they care about that for me no which honestly is so relieving like they don't put my worth and value in all these things that i'm doing online um i am just a normal human friend to them that exists which is really great um because i kind of need that safe space to just exist sometimes yeah i think that's good and i think that's good wisdom right the, the you have one group over here and one group over there and they both exist and they're both valuable and they're both mm-hmm. uh, they both hold different parts of your life and I, I don't yeah. know that feels like um there's a lot of us do that with work right like a lot yeah, of us have our work friends and then our like you know more close to fr- uh, close personal friends you know there's maybe a couple people in like my personal life that made me oh like my sister-in-law is in the group but like um you know she's a graphic designer she worked at a church with me when we we worked for the church together so uh she you know has some say sometimes or some questions and stuff but like honestly more than anything she's just proud of me and we don't really talk about it <laughs> <We're just laughs> yeah that's great i love it i love it um I, I want to get into the book a little bit. Sure. So I kind of started with a, a, a bigger question. I think that most of my listeners would agree with me when I say that the church has the best message in the world. Like the, mm-hmm. the, the message of Jesus and all that comes with that is incredible. Why are we so bad at communicating the gospel? What happened? Where'd we go wrong, Katie? Fix us. I wish I could tell you where we went wrong. It just feels messy, right? Um, yeah, we have the best message in the world, and yet we're so bad at packaging it. It's like we like we have a gift and we're like handing it over, like still in the shopping bag from Walmart or something. And somebody's like, I don't know if this is like what I want like, or how I want it, you know? Like, um, I don't know. Or I think about too. You know, I talk about this a lot of times, and like I have a keynote that I give about about online community and I feel like for the last 30 years like evangelism became a dirty word right and 
it's not right. Like I, I, I have a heart for evangelism because I want people to come to know Jesus the way that I do, because I want them to have the same peace and security that I do in knowing someone that I can trust and follow uh, and try to live my life like and <laughs> flip some tables on occasion and, you know, do those kind of things. And so I think though, what, what went wrong maybe a little bit was when we started handing out like tracks, like we just, we took it away from being a relational thing. The yeah. discipleship process is relational at the end of the day. Right. I yeah, think yeah. about how many times I've heard from so many people that, they weren't personally discipled when they came to know Christ or, you know, in their church, they were a number in their church. Nobody really knew them. Therefore they just like fell off the program because it wasn't about their relationship with someone. And it wasn't about actually having a relationship with Christ. It was about fulfilling things and doing things and and earning Mm. things. And that's just not what it's about at all. It's about grace and it's about, dignity and it's about having a relationship with someone and actually showing up and being consistent in someone's life because they matter not because they're a number i'm here for it that's (laughs) i i well and we talk about how disciple discipleship and disciple making is it's intentional relational and reproducible right so it's it's all three of those parts put together scalable i don't think like you know like i think we we got into the scalability of it for so yeah. long, you know, and, and I don't know that it's scalable. I think it really is like, it, it really depends upon a person and a person in that relationship. Like I said, I was so fortunate to have been discipled from a young age by a deacon, the head deacon of my church, who was my sixth grade Sunday school teacher, John Klinner. Okay. So John, uh, I had so many weird questions. I was the worst kid ever, basically, in Sunday school class. I was like, okay, so tell me about propitiation. Okay, like, tell me about, um, why does it say this about predestination over here, but this about that over there? Like, tell me everything. Or like, why did Jesus spend three days in the grave? Was three like a specific number? And why does that right. matter? And so I was the worst um, child possible. And we had the best time exploring the Bible together and uh, just being friends. And he, and it was so great that he was able to pour all that information into me. What, what was better though, is that while John, he had answers, he also had more questions for me than he did answers sure. and really taught me how to look into these things for myself and decide them for myself. Because I don't, I don't think we like teach interpretation you know, like, and that each person who's reading the Bible is interpreting it for themselves, right? And so, which is the whole point of Martin Luther, right? The whole Reformation thing was that, was that we were able to, like, have this relationship with God and it could be personal and you can read the Bible and um, and have this relationship with it as well. And so that's what I loved about my, like, you know, my discipleship relationship with John was that he let me make up my mind, even if he disagreed mm. with it. Um, because I could prove it uh, with with biblical fact, and then also like it was something worth considering or whatever. And we we just had I don't know we just had a great time of arguing, uh, of, of like of discussing, not just argue arguing. But what's really great is I think that really reminds me of like Jewish rabbis. Like when you become a sure. rabbi, 
this literally all you do is like argue about scripture and like nobody ever comes to a conclusion like there is no like this is for certain thought like it's very like indescript almost but i love that process of just struggling through doubt and and scripture and figuring out what do you think this says what do you think this means and you know just working through it with somebody at the end of the day and you're going to work through these things a million times in your life right you're going to read a scripture and it's going to be a different thing 30 years from now than it did today but having someone at the end of the day that you can call and talk to it about it it, is like the most important thing that's i feel like where we kind of like threw off I don't know, things is we, we forgot about like mentorship or discipleship and we really put it into a, like, we'll walk through this Bible study together, um, which is right. good. Like, I'm not saying that's bad. Like, I think that's great, but I, I would love to see more places where it is encouraged to struggle through doubt and uncertainty and, and hard questions in scripture one-on-one. And at the end of the day, still be friends. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I I do think that that's how we solve the disagreement problem that we have online is we practice it in person, one-on-one, one-on-two. I I feel very passionately that every person who who works in a church should tithe their week in disciple-making relationships. Mm. Right. And so I'd like to see, you know, if, if I was, yeah, tithe your time, right? And then... Um, and then also on knowing that it's not a spiritual gift that everyone has to, uh, it's yeah. part of our Christian identity. Sure. Right? Yeah, for sure. I think that, yeah, we, we make it something to do and to check off and like, Hey, I taught Sunday right. school for five years, so I'm good. Like God's good with me. And, and like, now I don't have to do anything else. Right. Which, <laughs> right. You and now to, like you don't have to mentor anyone. Te- I mean, you know, right. technically, but like, man, what a joy it is to have a relationship with someone that you can like go back. And I have that relationship still with students that I was teaching um, to this day. Like they'll send me, you know, questions or they'll send me TikToks or something about like religious stuff. And we watched actually some Bible study stuff together online and like talked about it afterwards. Um, And like what a joy it is to just like discuss it. And like at Mm -hmm. the end of the day say, hey, we may not come to the same conclusion and that's okay. But yeah. like, as long as we're both following Jesus and like we hold these truths to be concrete that, you know, Jesus is the son of God, all these other things that really matter, then the rest of it's fair game. Let's just have fun learning. Right. Like right. let's have fun and right. en- enjoying the experience right. outside of, you know, the, the concrete things. So one of the things I appreciate about the way that you wrote this book is that you use very um, current and uh, very workplace-centered terms to talk about church communications, branding, digital marketing, public relations, project management, that kind of, those kind of things. Sure. Uh, I think that there's probably somebody listening who has the church in this box where it's like, man, the church doesn't need branding help. Um, or doesn't does it does the church really need a, a social media strategy or you know shouldn't we just be teaching the Bible or I, I'm wondering if you could kind of give us the 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 why someone should pick up this book and read it for their church yeah okay so here's the thing your church absolutely doesn't need any of these things like if your church doesn't like fantastic good for you like i'm not gonna sit here and try to like sell you a book because i don't think that's necessary if you don't think it's necessary for y'all like my church so the church i grew up in definitely had no branding 
had no social media, had no website. Um, today does it? Yeah, kind of, but not really. They're still just serving their community now. I mean, have they like, but they're still, they're serving their community. Like that's really all I think sure. today. And they have great relationships. Those people still love me. I come home and Linda McCraw still kisses me on the face and I still have to avoid it. And it's something that I love, right? Like that to me matters. Right. Okay. Right. But at the same time, Linda's coming in hot. Here we go. Like, can we share the gospel and make it more clear and hopefully even make it go further because of like communication strategies that are now well learned in the business world? Absolutely, we can. Is it completely necessary? No, like, the Holy Spirit's the only thing that's necessary, like to bring the growth or whatever. Like, I don't, mm. you know, I don't need to like tell you that. But do these things work and help? Yeah, of course they work and help. And so, you know, branding for like a church, it's just a, to me, it's about making something memorable. Right. And so, and like, what, what is the, when somebody thinks of your church, like what is the taste that's left in their mouth? You know, like yeah. we want to make sure that like the taste and see that the Lord is good is, is like cohesive across. Um, and so I think there's so many religions that do, um, that do this really well. And then I feel like, you know, with churches, we kind of like sometimes miss the mark. Some are excellent at it. Some are like, eh. And like I said, whatever you're doing, like Jesus already loves it and approves and thinks is fantastic. So don't hear me say that. Um, but at the same time, like, can we do this as well? For sure. So branding is just something that helps people remember who you are, where you are, like what you believe in a quick, a quick way, right? It's a, yeah. it's a word mark. It's something that helps people be recognized uh, around that community, around that church, around the organization, whatever it might be. And, and you know, there's a lot more things that go into branding than just a, a logo. I think people automatically think of logos, but, you know, sounds, jingles. Um, <laughs> there's like, so, uh, you know, phrases that people say. There's so many things that actually go into a brand more so than just like, when I worked at a church, part of our brand was actually something our pastor would say every Sunday. He would say, you know, hear, believe it, live after like reading uh, the scripture. He still says it. And that's part of our brand because he says it every week. And so your church right. might and go in grace and peace to the love and serve the Lord. That is part of your brand because you're saying it every week. Um, and so you probably already have a brand now, whether or not it is all together, then that's a different question. And I think this book can help you bring it all together. At least if you are frustrated, that it's not. Yeah. I, I think that the way to think about something like this is that this is a, a tool to enhance what God is already doing in and through your ministry. Right. And if you're brave enough to put in the work, I mean, not the work is hard because it forces us to admit Right. When you do communication well, it forces us to admit where we're not communicating well. Right. Am, yeah, am I wrong in that? Time. Like, I know it's work. Yeah. Like, it takes time. It takes effort. Like, and if you're a pastor of a church and you are the only person on staff, like, can you gain something from this book? Like, absolutely you can, but don't feel like you have to implement every single thing out of it. Like, please just maybe walk away with, like, how to do SEO a little bit better for your church website so people can find you easier. Like, right. you know, like, the little things can matter and pay off in big ways, right? Because that's what really matters is just finding those people who are far from the Lord and how do we find them? 
Uh, and today, a lot of that starts online because they're Googling questions or they're asking their friends or they're going into Facebook and reading people's profiles and, you know, seeing like, oh, I don't want to be associated with that person because they are like this on the Internet. And if they're like that on the Internet, then I don't want to go to their church. <laughs> it's so true. I, it's it's such a reflection. It's it's a it's the new lobby. I don't know. I think our digital footprint yeah. is the new lobby of the church. And one way or another, people are going to see it. Yeah. For sure. Um, I, my community loves to pray. And as this book continues to kind of go out into the wilderness, what's the what can we be praying for this book? Yeah, I think that it just reaches the right people that needs to reach. I think there are so many people who are struggling with a lot of these ideas, especially after COVID. Like, should we keep this? Should we keep doing that? Do we need to do more? What should we mm -hmm. be doing? And so I hope that it gives them direction and I hope that it clears up some answers or some questions that they have, gives them some answers to questions that they have. Uh, more than anything, I hope that it helps them find the community that they need. If they feel lonely in communications for churches, they can always join our group. Like I hope that they can find that community uh, with us if they if they need to. I think that's why I started the group to begin with is because I knew that ministry was extremely lonely. And so, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, okay, one more question to ask. But before I ask it, I know that my listeners are going to want to find you all over the interwebs. Yeah. Where is the best place to learn all things Katie? Yeah, you can go to churchcommunications.com. You can also go to katieallred.com. If you're interested in the book, it's churchcommunications.com slash book. I'm sure he'll probably put it in the show notes regardless. And then also we have a conference coming up at the end of September. And so we'd love to see you there if you would like to come. It's in Nashville, and uh, you can find that also on the website. Uh, great. And we will link to all that in the show notes. Uh, and we'll also link to the Facebook group in the show notes, too, if you want to get connected there. So we'll throw a link in there to, as well. Um, okay, last question I always love to ask people. It's an advice question. I'm going to ask mm. you to give yourself one piece of advice, except I get to name the season of life that you're in when you give said advice. Okay. So I'm going to take you back to the day after you started that online Harry Potter group, that international... Huge Harry Potter group, and of course it wasn't huge when you started, but if you could pull up a chair in front of that young lady, sit knee to knee with her, hold her hands, and look her in the eyes, what's the one thing that you're going to tell her? Uh, this is going to matter more. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think, I didn't think anything of it until really recently in my life. I completely skipped over thinking about it in college or how it affected me in grad school. And then I really realized, I was like, ah, this is what God was doing this whole time. But I wish I could like go back and maybe think about it differently or like I wrote some about it, but obviously I was a kid. So, you know, my writing <laughs> about it was very like elementary at times, but it was such a journey, and I think if I could go back, I'd love to just tell myself it was going to matter. Hmm. Yeah. That's good. That's very wise. Katie, thank you so much for your generosity today, for your time, for what you're doing for the kingdom, 
online and in person and for all the leaders who you're going to impact through this book. It's uh, I'm super thankful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tony, for having me. I appreciate it. Man, I told you guys, what a great conversation. I love her heart for building community. I love her intentionality. I just appreciate the way that she's doing business in the world. A special shout out to my friend Jason Moore, who connected me with Katie. I think uh, it, was a, it was a great connection. Thanks, Jason. Really appreciate it. Guys, I am so thankful for you. And as we approach episode 200, I'm more and more aware of just how I uh, wouldn't, this journey wouldn't be the same without you in it. So thank you for listening. Hit that subscribe button. Share this episode with a friend. And remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move. <laughs>